to Planes, Trains, and Automobile Days, the podcast where we ride the rails of the 1987 Thanksgiving classic Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, one sideways birth and day at a time. I'm your host, Sean, and with me, as always, is Brian, his brother. <laughs> My brother, Brian. Um, and we've got a couple special guests with us today. First, uh, we've got from the Rocky Minute, Doug Greenberg. Welcome, Doug. Happy Thanksgiving and welcome and thank you for having me. Oh, thanks for coming. And uh, a f- friend of the show, great guy from the Groundhog Day Project and Mike Myers Minute, it's Robert Black. Hello. Thank you for having me. All right. Yeah. Thanks for thanks for coming by. I'm sorry. I just said welcome. I'm used to introducing guests on my own show. <laughs> I just welcome. <laughs> my apologies. That's, that's that's fine. I just assumed we were talking to you. We're welcoming the listeners. So, yeah, there. And, sure. Okay. Yeah, that works. <laughs> yeah, cut that out. <laughs> cut out that nonsense I just said. <laughs> that's all. We'll fix that in post. <laughs> we're not going to fix that in post. <laughs> but uh, so so if you're just jumping in the middle, uh, listener, what's wrong with you? You should go back and listen to, to day one. But uh, before you do that, I'll let you know uh, what we're doing here is a sort of an offshoot of the movie by minutes thing uh, where folks watch movies one minute at a time. Uh, some folks might do it two or, or five minutes, but uh, basically they watch a little bit of the movie and they talk about it. And then the next day or two days later, you have another podcast episode where they do it all over again. What we're doing is a little bit different. Instead of uh, one minute at a time, we're talking about a movie one day at a time. And uh, this movie, Planes, Trains and Automobiles, happens over the course of three days. Uh, the two days leading up to Thanksgiving and then uh, the final action on Thanksgiving Day itself. So we are having uh, three days, three episodes just like that. And we are now on to uh, day two. Um, so Neil and Dell wake up on day two to find uh, their fortunes for the worse and, and the better and then the worse mm-hmm. and then the better again <laughs> and, and then the worse. They find uh, they've they've made they've made some plans. They've got arrangements to take a, a, a train back home. Then uh then the wallets are empty. They discover the robbery from the night before, and then the train breaks down, and then they get on a bus, and they get off a bus, and then so lots of things happen, um, and so that we will we will talk about. So now we were on, so we opened up yesterday, two days before Thanksgiving, and so mm-hmm. this morning must be uh, one day Thanksgiving, one day before Thanksgiving. So it's it's Wednesday. We wake up at the Braidwood Inn, and you know this is starting off one of. Certainly the iconic scene of this movie, but one of the most iconic scenes in cinema, I feel, with, um, you know, there's, 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 there's those great lines, you know, you think of, uh, you know, I, I love the smell of napalm in the morning, <laughs> or, uh, you know, I'll make him an offer he can't refuse, um, you know, up there, and then uh, those aren't pillows. Yes. Just, <laughs> I'm going to jump r- right into it. I mean, it's, it's, it's great comedy. It's a great scene. There's a there's a lot of great scenes in this particular day that we have, mm-hmm. and like anytime I think of this movie, these um, I don't know three or four scenes that happen within this day, this day two mm-hmm. are are my go tos. The, the those aren't pillows. The uh, <laughs> Gus's son, and uh, later on with the with the uh, car um, rental lady. But I'm sure I don't want to jump ahead. But yeah, oh yeah, those are classics. Iconic, iconic. Yes. Yeah. Did you get a look at the nightstand, Dell's nightstand? Oh my God, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's one thing we, we talked about a little bit yesterday is that this is, he's a real road warrior. He's someone who does a lot of traveling for work. And so it just instantly makes himself at home 
at wherever space he happens to be in at the time, whether it's a, a you know hotel room or an airplane seat or wherever. I mean, he is. Well, so I'll, I'll ask you guys. I know when I travel, like you, you wouldn't even know there was someone staying in the room. I don't unpack. I don't ex- explode. I'll have you know a, a toothbrush by the sink and mm-hmm. a charger for my cell phone. Um, you know what kind of you know Doug and Rob when when you guys are traveling are you. Uh, are you a Neil or are you a Dell? Do you just explode into the space as soon as you get there? If I'm there for more one, more than one night, then mm-hmm. my clothes are in the drawers. My stuff is on shelves. Like, I move in. Yeah. Mm. I'm not as messy as him, but I move in. If it's just yeah. one night, no, it's suitcase only. Yeah. What, what about you, Doug? I could live out of a backpack for a weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Backpack's my- the way to go. My my wife though. Anytime, even if we're doing a, a weekend away in the city, uh, it's a suitcase with multiple changes of clothes and you know hair dryers and stuff. If it was me, two pairs of underwear, two pairs of socks, a couple of t-shirts, and the pants I'm wearing to and from. And that's it. And mm-hmm. my toiletries. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's. I guess it's. I don't. I don't know. It's clothing and, and fashion and everything is just it's 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 different so i won't speak for the women but yeah as a guy i'm just like i got a pair of pants i got a pair of shoes that'll last me the weekend so it's uh, you know a couple pairs of underwear a couple pairs mm-hmm. of socks a couple t-shirts throw that in a backpack and i'm, I'm good to go i can't yeah. put stuff all over the table like this though i move around no. when i sleep and all of that would be on the floor <laughs> <laughs> well you look so there's there's a wallet there's the, a picture of his wife. Yep. Mm-hmm. There's like Cracker Jacks. There's gum. Rolades. And I mean, there's the Cracker Jacks wrapper. And then it looks like there's the, the, the Cracker Jacks itself yeah. kind of spread throughout the bed. And also this, you know, just to kind of the one thing that dates this movie. I mean, one is they, they don't have cell phones. We keep seeing every time Neil tries to call home, he's got to find a payphone. Mm-hmm. But the other thing that, that dates the movie is the cigarettes. That are just casually around that, that mm. Dell's continually smoking. We see them next to the bed. Um, and the beer cans he's using as an ashtray. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the little fingers. bit of uh, the, the realism there. Yeah. Do they but, still have magic fingers? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I haven't seen those since since the 90s. Yeah. I don't know. Is that still around? I don't have The only time I used them was so. in the 80s, so I don't know. Yeah, but I guess I don't. I don't stay in the kind of sp- places that have that sort of thing. <laughs> Maybe I'm just staying in the wrong hotels. I don't, <laughs> right. I don't see. Yeah. So, so, so either of you, uh, Robert or Doug, have you ever have you ever actually used the magic fingers as a kid in a, in a hotel room? As a kid in the '80s, I we turned those on. We were stuck in a motel in Flagstaff for like a day when our mm-hmm. car broke down, and so we were doing anything to entertain ourselves. Mm-hmm. Like watching cartoons all day on the <laughs> motel TV or turning yeah. on magic fingers. And I don't even know what we pretended it was, but just having a good time. <laughs> we were a, a road trip type of family, too. Um, uh, living in New Jersey, we, we've taken uh, vacations up to the lakes in Maine and mm-hmm. all the way down to Disney World in Florida all by car. So there were a couple of, mo- of hotel stops on the way down, but I don't remember ever seeing one of these. Yeah. But- <laughs> I'm trying to think the only time certainly the only time that I experienced the, the magic fingers but the only time I even remember like actually seeing them in person was I spent a summer down in Texas um, I was doing some it was uh, while I was an undergraduate in, in college doing I uh, went uh, went down to uh, University of Texas in Arlington 
on a, a summer research program. And one weekend, a, a bunch of us on the program drove down to Calvis, Galveston, which is, uh, I don't know if a resort city is the, is the right name, but it's uh, you know on the Gulf Coast, a, a place where a lot of folks go for vacations and whatnot. So we went down to Galveston and uh, you're just a bunch of poor college students, got a, a, a cheap hotel, and it was four or five of us uh, sharing a room. We got a room. It was two queen beds and just the guys on one bed and the the ladies on another. And uh, someone during the night had snuck over from one of the beds to slip a quarter into (laughs) the magic fingers on the other bed, just as, you know, as as a gag, as a joke. What they didn't anticipate was the fantastic value they would get for that quarter (laughs) because the bed did not stop. I don't know what they're programmed for. I don't know if you're supposed to get, if it's 10, 15 minutes, whatever, to a quarter. The, the bed did not stop vibrating all night. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. And I I, I, I I, don't know what it was like for the people on the bed, but for the rest of us in the room, it was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> just in, in the dark, trying to sleep and just hear the buzzing. Just, uh, <laughs> just no. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what it was—a short circuit, or you know, it was like you know, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a, it was a Galveston miracle that, uh, you know, <laughs> that the bed just would not stop vibrating the whole night, and it was uh, hilarious. That's that's my one my magic finger story there. That's, that's great. <laughs> well, I'm bringing it back to the movie. What what was your first uh, experience seeing it? Oh yeah, oh, yeah, wow. yeah. So uh, well, well, we'll go to our guest. So yeah, so. Um, yeah, when did you first see the movie? Were you were you out in the theaters in '87 when it came out, or I didn't see it later? in the theater. I think the first time I watched it all the way through is when I watched it for my Groundhog Day blog. I'd seen mm-hmm. parts of it, so only what six years ago, five years ago. Yeah. Oh, okay. Interesting. Okay. So relatively recently. Yeah. And then I watched it um, seven days in a row. So. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I was a uh, uh, probably a you know uh, a tween. When I first saw probably 12 or, you know, 11, 12, 13 years old. And uh, it was, I mean, these 80s comedies were, were my cup of tea. I loved every single one of them. And this, you know, it was just, it just ran right with the Ferris Bueller's and the uh, National Lampoon's movies, you know, they, they're yeah. just in rotation yeah. with them. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. So John Hughes, who wrote and directed this, had a string of, um, well, I mean, if you, if you grew up in the 80s, you were probably raised by John Hughes to a certain extent. So he was coming off of, we had 16 Candles, Breakfast Club, and Ferris Bueller's Day Off mm-hmm. as, um, well, I mean, just three classic comedies, but really, you know, teen movies where the main characters are teenagers and the, the target audience of that are, are teenagers. And then, um, you know, at some point he just makes the shift. We've got planes, trains, and automobiles, and then coming out uh, the, the following years was she, she's having a baby, another um, you know, you know, similar, uh, you know, similar emotion, similar feeling, similar genre in terms of comedy, but the, you know, the audience is much different. It's, it's a much more adult situation. And I think it's the, you know, the movie, the characters are adults. And I think that the target audience is, is an adult, but, uh, I don't know, for some reason, like some people just have their finger on the pulse of the culture, whether they're, and it's, it becomes, they're so entwined. It's hard to tell. Are they, you know, is the culture what it is because people are responding to the movie or is the movie mirroring what's there? It's, it's, it comes to the point where it's so entwined. You you can't tell, is this a mirror or is this, 
you know, is this just reflecting what we're doing or are we doing it because these movies are so good? But, uh, you know, whatever it is, John Hughes certainly had it yes. for, for that stretch of, of the 80s and into the, the 90s as well. Um, one thing I want so, so so getting back to the movie, I think I feel like we're going to be saying that phrase a lot. Um, so, you know, one, one of the things in doing research, there's there's a lot of talk about this scene and, and, and the reaction. They jump out of bed after that, you know, the famous line about the pillows. They jump up and it's all, oh, football, football. You catch all oh, that Bears game, you, catch, you know, and everything. Um, and they, they talk about is it is there a bit of, you know, is it homophobic? Just to say, you know, we're a little bit more sensitive to, to that than, you know, that than I think we were back in the late 80s. And that also goes back to, to something we saw last night when they were checking into the uh, the hotel where, where Del, you know, goes to Neil and says, oh, shower. And he's like, oh, no, do you want to shower first? Thinking Neil mm-hmm. might have misunderstood to think was Del asking that they shower together. <laughs> and, uh, you know, my take on it is not that they're necessarily it's not necessarily that it's, oh, it's a guy. It's, the problem is not that it's, oh, it's two guys, so it's homophobic. It's just, it's not the person I'm in a relationship with. It doesn't matter who you are. You're John Candy. You're whatever. You're, you're man, woman. You're just, you're not my wife. You're mm-hmm. not the person who usually has their hand between my pillows, <laughs> so, so to speak. So, uh, you know, so that's my take. So, you know, what do, what do you guys think? Are you, you offended or okay or, or what's going on? I, I never... Um really took it like that at all. I mean, true homophobia wouldn't even allow them to get in the bed together in the first place. Mm-hmm. Good point. So I don't, uh, That's true. I, that is true. Yeah. I don't, I don't see it that way at all. It's just, um, just, uh, maybe like an uncomfortable situation with a person you just met. Right. You know, um, maybe it's a little bit of what you're saying about this is not my partner. So I, I can't imagine laying in bed with anybody other than my partner. Maybe. I mean, when they jump out of bed and start talking about football, I, I do see that they are kind of, you know, trying to really go into like a masculine, quote unquote, direction. You know, oh, the Bears. Oh, yeah, see yeah. that game last yeah. night, you know, which back then and uh, you know how it is. It's it's a, it's a manly thing to do. So I could see them kind of overcompensating yeah. talking about that type of stuff. But again, it's the 80s. It's so casual. Right. It's hard to be offended by it. Yeah, that's true, too. I think the bigger question here is um, they have a moment where they're lost in their own world, right? <clears throat> where they don't <laughs> even realize who it is they're cuddling with. But Neil seems very comfortable as the little spoon. Is he the little spoon in his relationship? <laughs> that could be very true. Yeah, before. yeah, that, that that's a good point. We you know we we talked a little bit yesterday <laughs> about you know about Neil's relationship with his wife and. You know, why is it so important that he get home on time? And obviously, you know, part of it is just you can take it face value. He's away on business. He wants to get home. He wants, you know, misses his family. He misses his wife. And then on top of that, there's a holiday coming up. So he wants to get home for that. But he seems um, like, like overly concerned or overly worried that, you know, like he'll be in trouble if he's late. Somehow, you know, he'll get blamed for, you know. I don't know. Just sometimes he seems a little bit more, mm-hmm. more concerned. It's not just a question of, oh, the flight was delayed. I'm going to be late. You know, he really wants to make sure he gets there on time. And and we're we're pondering: does this, you know, is this a reflective of a history? Does he have a, you know a problem that he's right. trying to show that <laughs> that he can change? And he can be there on time. Maybe, uh, yeah. And that's and that, but that's an aspect we hadn't considered. Maybe it's that she's you know she kind of cracks the whip and he'll he will be in trouble. 
um, <laughs> just because of the dynamics of the relationship. But uh, and you know what? It could be. I'll, I'll throw it out there. Um, you know, so that traditionally the the stereotype would be the man would be the big spoon. <laughs> sure. Yeah. And, you know, maybe he's, you know, he's a high-powered businessman. He's always got to be in control. Mm. He's always got to have the fancy watch and the nice suit. He's got to be the man. And, he, he, you know, it's it's nice he can let his guard down, that he doesn't always have to have that macho persona projected right. all the time that, you know, this is the one time in his life that someone's going to spoon him instead of the other way around. And, you know, maybe he's, he's, he's discovering that he likes it. I don't know. What do you, what do you think, Brian? <laughs> Uh, I, I don't know. I, I mean, it's tough to say if he's liking it or not. Um, yeah, I, I could see that. Well, John Candy's just the—he's he, the the bigger guy here. I mean, it could just be naturally he's just rolling over and crushing Neil. Question that'll never be answered. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't know. We'll have to. We'll, we'll track down John Hughes and. Oh, <laughs> see if there's no too soon. Too soon. Okay. Um, all right. Yeah. So that that's interesting. I hadn't thought about that. Just like that 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 spooning position. But uh, yeah, you know things. You're just. But it's weird. So well, this actually leads me to a, to another question because of something we find out later. This seems kind of natural. If 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 Dell is used to sleeping with his wife, this may be a regular thing that he rolls over, he puts an arm around, he spoons her, you know, he, he gives her a little peck on the on the little nibble on the earlobe. You know, this is you know something he does just out of habit. So right. whoever you know is sleeping next to some there's someone next to him in his sleep, he assumes it's his wife. Uh, but spoiler alert, not really. But you know, but later we find out his you know. His wife's been dead for eight years. Wait, what? He doesn't really have a home. He's, just, <laughs> he's constantly traveling. He's constantly on the go. Um, so then that's like, well, wait. Then why were you assuming that it was your wife in bed with you when because you haven't asleep. slept with her for so long, right? Uh, but so, so my question is, so and, and I guess I'll be more interested to, to hear what Rob has to say since the first time he saw the movie all the way through was was more recently. You know that that twist at the end, yeah, that. Dell, the wife is dead. He doesn't have a home that he's trying to get get back to. Uh, you know, did you see that coming? How much? How surprised or shocked were you at, at the twist? I think it was a surprise. Yeah, um, it makes sense with his personality and even this scene. Like, I don't think Neil would ever be the back of the spoon here because he doesn't seem as caring about other people. Like he feels like he should be home for his for Thanksgiving, maybe as almost a responsibility or an obligation. But Dell, when he talks about people, everyone he talks about, he's probably assuming his shower rings are good. He sees them once occasionally, but he calls everyone his buddy. It's like my buddy over at the airline, everything he's he loves everyone he interacts with. And maybe this is the first time he's been in a bed with someone since his wife died. And so naturally, while he's sleeping, he puts his arm around him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's kind of how I would see it too. He's just he's asleep and somebody's in the bed and he's yeah. just kind of half dreaming, full dreaming, and it's just he, he leans over and somebody's there. Yeah, yeah, that's and that's the really interesting point about the way he introduces people because yeah, continually throughout the movie he talks with you know I, I I talk to my friend at the the airline oh I got my friend oh I'm a, you know friends with this hotel manager and everything else but then we see when they get to when when this hotel you know the, the, last night 
when he introduces Neil. You know, he's talking to the hotel manager that he, he called to arrange for the room. And he's like, oh, it's my old friend, Neil. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's known and since we know the morning. they're not old friends. <laughs> right. So. Well, he's a salesman. I mean, he, he's everything you know, personal. trying to. Right. 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 So yeah, so so Doug, same question. So when when you got to the end of the movie, if you remember the first time you saw it, and you got that that twist on on Dell's life at the end. Were you were you shocked? Were you surprised? Did you buy it? Uh, definitely buy it. I was mm-hmm. I was um, surprised and saddened because yeah. I, I mean this John Candy really shows his dramatic chops in this. Oh yeah, yes. <clears throat> um, and it's it, it's it was a very like heartbreaking tale that. Like he had no place to go. He just carried this picture around with his wife. But whenever he talked about her, he talked about her as if she was present. But he mm-hmm. said he'll he'll say even in in this uh, on this day he'll say something very telling when he says I haven't been home in years. Right. And he tries to play it off. Oh, you know that's that's just an expression that, that people say. But when it's I mean it's true. Even if he has a place to live, if his wife isn't there, is it really his home? You know that right. he might not want to be. He might not enjoy being there because she's not there. So, I mean, there's there's a lot of levels to to uh, to his loss of his wife. Yeah, from that line, I get the impression he does still have a home. He just never bothers to go there anymore. Yeah, right. Agreed. Yeah, totally. <clears throat> yeah, and I think to a certain extent that's a, that's a coping mechanism because if he goes home, well, you know, if he goes home to this empty house then he's got to face that reality mm-hmm. of, of what his home has become. If if he just stays on the road, if he just keeps on keeping on, then he can kind of, in his memory, can keep that home intact. Mm-hmm. And it's, oh, it's out there and I'll get there someday, but, oh, business calls and I got to keep moving. Right. It's, it's sort of a coping mechanism mm-hmm. or, or a little bit of denial. And there's no uh, doubt that her closet is exactly the same as it was, you mm-hmm. know, before she oh, died. Yeah. Like a shrine to her. Yes, yeah. he's he's got her pillow with the indent where her head was and, mm-hmm. and everything. <laughs> yep. And you know, getting back to with the, with uh, Neil, kind of, I, he doesn't really treat people that well as in the beginning and through the middle. As he, I guess that is his arc here. But when they try to pay at the restaurant and the money's missing, he immediately assumes Dell stole mm-hmm. stole his money. I mean, it's just I, I found that he was so quick to judge, but he's been judging basically this whole time. Yeah, that's not the mo of a thief to steal your money and then stick around. Yeah. Oh, I stole your money. I like breakfast. Yeah. And, you know, I'm going to stick do. around for breakfast. Right. Steal right. Steal money right. and then go out to breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, Neil just—I I just the way he just automatically accuses him. I mean, you can tell he just—he doesn't. Well, again, getting into the whole class thing. I mean, Neil seems to be like oh, a one percenter, for lack of a better word. Mm-hmm. Just uh, you know, money's really no object. Yeah, I don't. I, well, I, I don't know. I'm not quite one percent or money no object, but he certainly. Yeah, he well, he and he thinks of himself as in a different class than Dell. You know, he see he was very bothered by you know for someone who supposedly is just single mindedly focused on getting home. It, kind of digressing a little bit when he gets on that plane and finds out that the ticket wasn't first class. He seems awfully upset in, in, in a. On the one hand, I can understand. You you paid for something, you arranged for something, you're just not getting what you paid for. Reasonable to be upset. But on the other hand, if the focus is getting on ho- getting home, you should be happy you're on the plane. You have a seat. You know, really the the, the thing's fulfilled. And it's a business trip. Like this I I'm 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 assuming that he didn't pay for that ticket. 
Um, you know, so not that he necessarily affords, you know, that he flies first class money out of pocket, but it tells you he's got he's a an job report. where they fly him mm-hmm. first class. Right. But uh, yeah, it, it almost seems like, so if, if, so if he has, if he didn't pay for it, if, if this is all business travel anyway, and it's, it's not a long flight. When we see the ticket, it's it forty-five says, minutes, sir. Well, with the time, there's 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 a time well, yeah, a time yeah. zone, so it's an hour and forty-five minutes. But yeah, it's not it's not transatlantic. It's not coast to coast. It no. is a relatively short flight. Um, so yeah, yeah, he's 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 quick to accuse. He's quick to lash out and, and not very understanding. And uh, yeah, that's that's Neil. That's something he's got to work on. And. And maybe Dell is the guardian angel sent <laughs> to help Neil work through his issues so, uh, so he can be a better man. If you were somebody that traveled for a living, that made many travel trips, business trips, I mean, wouldn't you think it would help It would help your, your health and your, your, your state of mind to at least be pleasant to the people that you're traveling with instead of just being a standoffish jerk? Exactly, yes. That's, that's what I thought, too. I think Neil just doesn't travel often enough he travels just often enough that mm. later his daughter is like immediately thinks delayed flight but mm-hmm. or was that earlier i don't remember um but then he doesn't like it whereas dell yeah. is really comfortable in a plane he takes his he doesn't take, just take his shoes off he takes his socks off <laughs> right now if dell travels as much as it seems to be he dell should be the one in first class with all his miles yeah, but he doesn't yeah. care yeah. he's comfortable near people that is true. Yeah, he's yeah, he's a man of the people. Did they have miles in the eighties? Well, I don't know. Yes, but yeah, certainly. They did. Yeah, yeah, Dell <laughs> seems the kind of person who should be getting the upgrade. Right. <laughs> we got those when we, my family, when we went on a trip to Europe. I remember we each had a little card with our names on it. I was a kid. I'm like, ooh, I have a card. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fancy! I never, I never got the upgrade. I mean, there's, there's been a couple of times, special occasions, anniversary trips, those kind of things where, I, where we, we've sprung, but it's always been cash out of pocket. I've never yeah. gotten the thing where it's like, oh, coach is full. We will have to put you in first class. Right. Huh. Yeah. I, not that lucky, but uh, yeah. Yeah. So we, we certainly see, again, you know, Neil sees the money's missing, instantly accuses Dell. This guy who is like, you know, he would have been sleeping in the airport last night. He would have been homeless. He would not have had a bed to sleep in if not for the kindness of this stranger. And he's, you know, he's, he's biting the hand that feeds him. He's, he's barking back at the guy who's just, just trying to help. Um, will Neil ever get better? We'll just have to wait and see. <laughs> is that the stuffed bobcat behind them? Yes. <laughs> behind Neil, there is a bobcat in attack position. And behind Dell, there is a fox just kind of standing there. Yes. Oh, the fox. I didn't see the fox. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's the fox. It's a nice visual, especially when he starts like accusing him of being a thief. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Well, yeah, I had seen that 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 parallel the the attacking the attacking bobcat. Yeah. So they're in uh, they're somewhere around Wichita. So they uh, you know that's where the plane was diverted last night, but then they had they, they had a ride to somewhere to uh, the the taxi ride to get to the hotel. Um, yeah. The Braidwood. In, right? Is that what you're talking about? That's where they are, yes. It's actually in Braidwood, Illinois, off of I-55. It says it's an hour and a half south of Chicago. I don't know where it is in in, uh, relation to Wichita or Stubville. Pretty far north. (laughs) Stubville doesn't exist. 
I, I, I looked at that too. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, it's, it's been, it's been, well, not a lot of time, but yeah, I was trying to find Stubbsville. There's, there's no Stubbsville. So this is actually, yeah, the, this is actually the, the Sun Motel on, on Hickory Street in Braidwood mm-hmm. that they, uh, they've rebranded the, the Braidwood Inn. Okay. Yeah, but it's nice. It's nice. Yeah, it's pretty far from Wichita. You got most of Illinois so of this, and all of Missouri yeah. between there. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> oh. yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, a lot of this was filmed uh, in and around Chicago, though, uh, you know, a few scenes, they had to go to Buffalo. Um, it was one of those things where it was just a, an unusually warm winter mm-hmm. where, you know, if they didn't get the snow that they were hoping for. So um, some of these scenes, it's it's fake snow that they've, you know, trucked mm-hmm. in and, and just some of the stuff, some of the highway scenes and whatnot were, were filmed around Buffalo. But uh, we'll see. We'll see later. Um you know some some things that were were filmed in uh, a familiar setting, <laughs> let's say, uh, <laughs> in, in in Illinois. But uh, so so after breakfast, we catch we got we got Neil and Dell. They're sitting on the trunk, pondering their fate. Where are we going? How are we going to get there? And again, Dell comes through. You right. know, for uh, for all this, for all through this movie and all through these travels. You know, Neil projects the the image, and I admit when I watch this, like if I don't, if I'm not careful, I buy into it. Like Neil's being put upon. Neil is bothered by Dell, mm-hmm. but you know, Dell arranged for this hotel room. De- it's Dell's the one who knows about the train, and and it's Dell who has arranged transportation. Yeah, yeah. Dell is way more resourceful. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, so we meet uh, we meet Gus's son <laughs> Owen and Owen's wife. Who are who are going to be given uh, Neil and Dell uh, a, a ride to the airport, and and uh, so Gus's son Owen is played brilliantly by Dylan Baker, who who's done a bunch of things, but he's done um, well three episodes of Law and Order, playing three different characters, and then he's also he also did a, a an episode of Criminal Intent, so we got the Law and Order connection there. But uh, what what he's is it a, he's making some kind of he's not. <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 I'm yeah. I'm at a lot. I don't know if he's is he clearing his throat. Is it a sinus thing? What what is? Yeah, I think it's a, he's that clearing noise? his sinuses out. Yeah, is it? Well, because we. Hmm? Yeah, I don't know. What do you what 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 is going on? <laughs> he's got issues, <laughs> but he seems like an actual nice guy despite them. <laughs> right. It's I guess yeah. He helps him out. He he, yeah. he drives him to the right. You know. He says that's not where the. The people train is well, right. Yeah, maybe hog the, the, you know, the, <laughs> <laughs> the uh, hog or cow. Yeah, the, the the presentation isn't the smoothest. Maybe the bedside manner isn't there. But yeah, I mean, he could have just been like, "All right, you want to go to Wichita? I'll drive you to Wichita and right. and drop you off at the hogs in the cattle." <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and and Owen's wife. It's it's played by um, Julie Newcomb. Unfortunately, she does not have. Much on, or sorry, Luli. Luli yeah. I thought it was a typo, but I'm looking at IMDb. It's actually L U L. You know who I thought she was? Um, I had when she got out of the car. The years are completely wrong. She would be the wrong age. I thought she was what's her name? Uh, Siobhan Fallon Hogan. She was in Men in Black, like the wife who talks oh, yeah. about like he's in a, wearing a man suit. But it's not her. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. I was so shocked when I yeah, looked up uh, the name, and I'm like, oh, I thought it was a younger her, and it's not. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, well, I don't think she doesn't have any lines, right? She just no. Kinda, <laughs> but but what she portrays in just that moment, it's it's kind of it, you know, Santa looks. She's got you know she she's got seven credits in IMDb, and they're mostly one you know single 
episode appearances in on TV series, but uh, so we we don't see much from her. But what we see, it's impressive. You know, uh, that first one come out sideways. Oh yeah, (laughs) (laughs) she didn't scream or nothing. Scream or nothing. Yeah, yeah. And this is this is this is really good. It just kind of goes into uh, you know the 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 screenwriting here. um, You know, really that that what John Hughes does. Uh, and one of the things I, in researching for the podcast, one of the things I found um, that someone had said, the note was, um, you know, your, your, your characters can't be caricatures. They kind of, you know, your, your main folk need to be more, a little bit more fleshed out. You know, they need mm-hmm. to be full characters and, and people. But caricatures work great for your one scene characters mm-hmm. that you're, you know, you're kind of, you're, your your side folk, the incidental folk, can can be caricatures, and your comedy still works. And um, I think that's what we're seeing here. Mm-hmm. That certainly Neil and Dell are are more than just caricatures; that they're they're more full characters. But mm-hmm. but for this scene, we're getting a couple of a couple of caricatures. But they, you know, they they leave their mark. They don't get much time, but it's but you remember it leaves an impression. You remember I, Owen yeah. for sure with that noise. Oh yeah. He's one of my favorite characters in a movie, and he's in about 30 <laughs> seconds of it. Yeah. But there's a little seamless little bit of filmmaking here. When he goes, he shakes Dell's hand, he spits, and the spit dribbles down his <laughs> chin, which he wipes with his hand and then shakes Neil's bare hand. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, it, it, like, how do you get the spit to just perfectly dribble down You're your right. chin? Yeah. What, like, I, what, what are, one of the things I found... Um, that a lot of people said in terms of, uh, you know, John Hughes kind of filming style as a director that he, he just let it go. He let the camera (laughs) run and let the actors and the characters kind of do their thing. And, um, supposedly somewhere there's like a four hour cut in this movie somewhere. Like there's just tons of, of extra scenes and extra footage that was taken that got cut away. That's, you know, I don't know if it still exists, maybe in a vault somewhere, but, uh, yeah, you kind of wonder, like, how many takes did it get or how long did you let it run? But whatever it took, they, they got it. And just those those little incidental things. And it's really, um, you know, again, going back to something we talked about yesterday, um, that the comedy doesn't always get the same respect as, mm-hmm. as drama does in terms of art form and, and creation. But the attention to detail in, in every single scene, and yeah, little things like that. He wipes away the spit and then... <laughs> And then shakes Neil's hand, and, and at least to, to Neil's credit, he does shake the. He makes a bit of a face, mm-hmm. but right. he's like, "All right, this guy's giving me a ride. I got to be polite. I got to shake the hand." Exactly. <laughs> uh, I got to pause right on one of his his sinus clears. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love that face. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. So then, uh, all right, we just got. I got. I got to pause. I'm sorry. Just we got. We got to stop for a moment. And just watch uh, this. This whole scene play out is, is great. I'll, uh, this I'll actually cut out <laughs> the podcast. But uh, good stuff. Yeah. Well, and the, the uh, again the attention to detail. The dress is you know to give us a sense of who these people are, even in this quick little scene that they don't have the big heavy coat. Mm-hmm. that Dell has. You can see the layers. It's uh you know, it's a t-shirt, then a work shirt, then like a you know, a flannel, a sweatshirt, a heavy coat, the vest on top of that kind of shows you who these people are that you know how they how they have to make do and they're they're layering. They don't have just one big warm coat. Mm-hmm. 
but but they're still giving. They're still giving uh, this guy Dell and, and his odd friend a ride. That's right. To uh, to Stubbsville because uh, you know that's what they do. They help each other out. It's the Midwest hospitality. There you go, hospitality. Uh, although the the dog in the back of that pickup is uh, is not <laughs> <too> hospitable. <laughs> All he wants is the gloves. Yeah. Which that's a payoff from earlier, right? When he uh, yes. Yeah, when he says I don't need the gloves. Yeah, I'll be I'll be home in a couple yeah, of hours. He, he yeah. leaves the gloves back in the office. <sighs> yeah, that's that's another thing about this movie is so much the the setup and payoff is is there so much so many of these these little things yeah. um, eventually come through and um, mm-hmm. yeah so so one of the things that came up is uh, John Hughes' writing process is, is a little bit different. Um, he says uh, it, it took him about three days to write the verse version of the script. And, and one of these says, you know, the if it's a fast movie, the writing should go fast. Um, so it comes out, which if 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 you discussed for other movies that the process of, of script writing, that may, may seem very quick to, to get a movie turned out. Mm-hmm. And this was a particularly long script. I have I didn't find a lot of different versions. I did find the final shooting script, which is I think it's one hundred and sixty five pages. Which is really long. Usually, yeah. movie scripts are like 110, 120, uh, particularly for a comedy. But uh, he writes really fast. But then, uh, I think twenty or twenty-five, like he does a lot of revision. So just get that first version out. But then, lots of refining and lots of reworking before you end up with the the final product. Um, and that's all. You know, again, attention to detail. And just because it's a comedy, doesn't mean you can't do it well. I have one quick note on John Hughes is <clears throat> he said that this is um, kind of uh, inspired by a real life uh, bad trip he had home, bad travel trip. Mm-hmm. And we know uh, the original vacation was uh, inspired by real lifetime uh, miserable vacation he had with his family. <laughs> like this guy has no travel luck. Poor John Hughes. <laughs> yeah. He should not go anywhere. Or he just knows yeah. which trips to write about. Yeah, yeah. Pick the bad right, ones. Right, right. We should have kept taking trips so we could get more comedy gold like these. <laughs> now, did you find, I don't even know where I read this. I was just trying to find it. The original script, I read somewhere supposedly that it was very uh, much different in the original draft. And I can't confirm that it's true because I didn't find that draft. I. I didn't see the I didn't see the draft, but I, I've heard that it's a different. Yes, I heard it's it's very different. Well, I heard that Dell's a vampire. Oh no! I and I'm like, that. maybe this person's I, just making this up, and I couldn't find any other confirmation. So I'm pretty sure someone was just making that up. Yeah, I, I read the same thing that ori- yeah originally uh, Dell was a vampire, and so he's trying to. And the whole thing of vampires, well, they have to be invited in before they can come into your house. So he's trying to get Neil to invite him home. Um, oh, but that sounds also like like an internet joke. Like the whole point is he gets invited right. at the end, so he's a vampire. <laughs> yeah, I have not seen that. Yeah, it's, yeah. One of the things that's you know, anyone can uh, can put something on the internet. Yeah. So we don't know how how <laughs> how true that is. I I've also seen a couple different versions of the story about the John Hughes trip that it, that inspired the movie. That so he was um, before becoming a screenwriter, he was with an advertising agency in Chicago. And he had one of these, you know, one day trips between Chicago and New York. It's a, uh, you know, under under a two hour flight. So he'd planned to go out and, and come back that that same day. And um, 
in in one version he was actually so a snowstorm in Chicago his return flight was diverted in one version it was actually Wichita that they got sent to but another version he actually got sent to they ended up going to Denver hmm. um, but either way it ended up it, it ended up being a five day trip he didn't get back to Chicago till the following Monday <laughs> wow. Yeah, but he got a movie out of it. Yeah, so exactly. I guess, you know, all's well that ends well, I suppose. I had like an eight-hour delay coming back from yeah. my honeymoon, and I thought that was the end of the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that the worst delays, uh, 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 I guess you could, you could look it up to figure out how long ago this was. Uh, my wife and I took a trip to Ireland, and we the return flight was connecting through um, through Iceland. And it was the time there was the, the volcano with the long Icelandic name mm. that I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but the, the volcano was erupting and it, it was just kind of really almost all traffic between Europe and North America was was grounded just because of – now, we were specifically connect, supposed to connect through Iceland on the way back. But even just, just the Great Circle route goes over, mm-hmm. goes kind of north the Northern Atlantic there and kind of through Iceland airspace. So um, because of the, the, the smoke clouds from the volcano, a lot of flights were, were canceled, but uh, so we ended up, we had to spend an extra day in Dublin, which <laughs> that's not bad, not really a disaster. We, <laughs> no. we weren't complaining. We just, we checked right. the hotel is the room available. Can we stay another night? And they were like, sure. So we were just like, all right, another day in Dublin. And uh, we made the most of it. I can imagine. <laughs> my, my worst thing was... And that's why I'm a, a podcaster, not a screenwriter, I guess. <laughs> my worst thing was probably the car when I was a kid where we got stuck in Flagstaff, I already mentioned. But more recently, I was a speech team coach in grad school. And we were flying out of Burbank here in L.A. And they decided, like, no flights were going out of Burbank. They got us a taxi, which was nice, to LAX. But our flight was now, like, it was at, like, 6 a.m. Now it was later in the day. So we're sitting in LAX and literally all of us fell asleep waiting because we'd gotten up so early. I wake up to the final call for our flight. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. And I'm like, oh, shit. Everyone, wake up now. Yeah. got to get on this plane. <laughs> it wasn't that unpleasant because I was asleep the whole time, but it was for a moment. It was panic. Oh, you woke up very quickly after that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's one of those things where you're you go from asleep to wide awake very mm-hmm. yep. just uh, so at the at the end of this ride we get to uh, I guess we, we make it to Stubbsville we're at the we're at the people train <laughs> and uh, and Neil purchases two tickets not together and you know he, he hands one over to Dell and says right. well, they didn't have two together do you believe him oh no no, no. <laughs> not at all he is looking to get rid of Dell at this point. I want to believe him, but I don't think I can. Right. And you can see Dell is hurt. He is hurt by the whole thing. He's, you know, he's trying to get his address. He's, he's hurt. Now, maybe now I'm just a little devil's advocate here. Maybe when Neil was at the ticket window, he's got in the back of his mind, maybe like very much in the front of his mind that this man had his hand in my ass. I cannot, (laughs) I cannot sit next to him anymore. Where will his hand be later on the train? <laughs> right. It's, that's just something that you don't shake. You can't get over that. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I was also skeptical about the, the ability to get uh, to get seats together. Well, he won't even meet him for a drink. No. Yeah. So I kind of, I, I, you know, I, th- I think Dell is, you know, a little hurt. 
that he oh, feels yes. like, oh, this is his new friend, and I'm kind of getting the brush off. But I don't, I know, I don't it's know. It's not a very. I think of it as a little like. It's not a very good brush off either. He says he's going to get right. some sleep. Yeah. He clearly got some pretty good sleep. <laughs> true. True. Yeah. yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> but I think if if Dell suspects that Neil didn't get seats together on purpose, that I, I think he covers it up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that the, the you know you won't even join me for a drink. I think it hurts his feelings a little bit. But uh, I don't. Know, I think he's you know he's a little bit more pure that he doesn't he doesn't ascribe those kind of machinations to other people because he doesn't have that in himself. You know, it's kind of like liars always think everyone else is lying. Right. Dell thinks everyone's nice. Plus this is exactly. Yeah. So, but now we're on to uh, the, the, the titular train. Well, before we get there, trains and automobiles, we didn't talk a lot about planes yesterday, but no, uh, I had a note on the train station before we get on the train. Oh, yeah, this is actually like kind of a famous train station. Well, right? what's weird is apparently it doesn't look like this anymore. It looks like a crappy plain building currently. And I'm like, why would they ever go backward in its design? Mm-hmm. This is a nice looking little thing with the wood and the window. And on Google Earth, you can see a sign that says, like, help refurbish the something something station. I forget the name of it. It's in uh, South yep. Dayton, New York. And I'm like, yes, refurbish this. Make it look nice. It, it's tiny, but it's nice looking in this scene. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. So this, yeah, this is one of the scenes. Like, I, I assume it's somewhere around Buffalo, but it's uh, what? South, South Dayton, New York. New York, yeah. according It's to- where they get dropped yeah. off in the truck. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is a nice little uh, kind of small town railway station. So, so speaking of locations, I'm just, I was kind of wondering where to slip this in. I'll, I'm going to slip it in right now because, uh, <laughs> Actually, not something we see today. Yeah, tomorrow, or, but but something we'll see tomorrow. Another another drop off um, after um, after Neil and Dell get pulled over, and the the burned up husk of, of car, what's left of the, the car <laughs> that Dell rents, mm-hmm. um, gets impounded. They end up getting dropped off uh, in front of a courthouse yep. in mm-hmm. Woodstock, Illinois. Oh uh, yeah. Oh yeah. And uh, well. I, I know why this is important, but uh, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll let Robert tell the uh, tell the audience why that you know why the courthouse in Woodstock, Illinois, is a uh, is a particular site of note. Oh, this the courthouse is on the town square. You don't really see the square in this movie because they're filming from it, uh, but it is the main location throughout all of Groundhog Day. And this movie, shooting this movie, is why location uh, manager Bob Hudgens knew there was a town square here when they were looking for towns to film in. For Groundhog Day. Mm. They wanted a town with oh, a square. Great. And all the towns they looked at didn't yeah. have one. And Punxsutawney didn't have one. And as they're heading up through Illinois, and I think they'd gotten out of Illinois by the time he brought it up. He's like, well, we could just go back mm-hmm. to Woodstock, where I filmed a few years ago. And so they ended up back here because of filming of this, well, that scene later. Oh, very interesting. Yeah, I, I, well, I thought that was interesting, how, you know, having uh, so... Uh, of course, Robert Black is, is well familiar with with that movie Groundhog Day. For the listener, if you're not familiar, he did something called the Groundhog Day Project, <laughs> where he watched the movie Groundhog Day uh, every day for yep. a year, the entire movie. So if you think if you think the folks that are watching and talking about movies one day at a time <laughs> are a little you know off or wacky or whatever, here's a guy who watched an entire movie and and wrote about it and wrote about it in depth and, and very interestingly and traveled to Woodstock a few years ago. That's yeah, yeah. I spent yeah. the weekend in um, Woodstock. So 
So I, I, I haven't, I wasn't able to confirm this through my research, but am I correct where they they show a scene uh, of of Neil Steve Martin? I guess he's, I guess they're waiting for a bus or he's waiting for a ride, and you can see across the way is a white gazebo. Is that is that the Gobbler's Knob yeah. gazebo that we see in Groundhog yep. Day? And the street the truck drives in on is where the movie theater is. Yeah, that's oh. the thing that that blew my mind when I saw that. We see when the when the truck drives in and there's a a, a theater mar- marquee that says "No show today, Happy Thanksgiving." That's uh that's our Heidi Two yep. Theater, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Ah, okay. Yeah. Um, so I I, I I wanted to bring that up, and we could talk more about tomorrow when we actually see those scenes. But I wanted to bring that up not just because I I love. Uh, Groundhog Day and, and the relation that, that Rob has with it and my relation having covered it with a Groundhog Minute, uh, watching it one minute at a time. But there were also some parallels that I that I drew out. Um, one of the things that, that I liked saying about uh, Groundhog Day is um, it's so much with your point of view that so much of what we saw with Phil repeating that same day over and over again is he had you know, some of the best days and some of his worst days were the same day that, it, you know, the difference was his attitude and, and the way he looked at things. And we're seeing some of that that here where it's not repeating the same day, but it's we're seeing the same day through two different points of view between Neil and, and Dell, that they're both they're both trying to travel from New York to Chicago. They're on the same flights and the same trains that break down and, and really suffering, uh, you know, the same issues with travel. And Neil is just miserable the whole time, and mm-hmm. and Dell is inconvenienced, but he always has a smile on his face. Yeah, Dell takes it that, in the, stride. The difference, yeah, the the difference is, is how you take it and, and the attitude. Agreed. Also, <laughs> yeah. I have a feeling if Neil tells this story later, he may never get the date count right. It's either like two days or six days, but they're all the same. It's just a bunch of miserable breakdowns and horrible time with. Some stranger. Well, until the end of the he's, movie when he changes his mind. But if we didn't like get to that. to take forever. Yeah. 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 You break down in a train in the middle of a field. That's going to seem like all day to get anywhere mm-hmm. else. Yeah. Is this the moment where Neil starts to turn? Where he starts to turn for the better? Yes. At the at the Right when they get off the yeah, train. And he sees him with his... He his, pities him, right? Is it pity... Pity. I mean, I think he. I don't. It could be. I mean, he's struggling. I know he's struggling with the trunk, and he goes over to to grab the other side of it. But it does seem like there is there is a change for the better. I mean, it, it could start out as pity. I mean, he does fall down and he's dragging the trunk. Yeah, I I, I do think there's something more to it, and there is a turn because. Um, you know, for all that Dell talks about when, you know, when Neil attacks him and Dell defends himself and fights back and, and we see that really it's, you know, it's it's Neil who's been opposed, imposing himself on Dell. You know, when the flight gets after the first thing. So so Dell accidentally steals the cab unknowingly, steals a cab from <laughs> uh, from Neil in New York. But after that, it was Dell arranges the hotel when the flight gets diverted it's Dell that has the idea of we can take a train. Dell gets the, the, the ride to the train. So, you know, Dell's doing all these things, making these arrangements, having these ideas. And it's Neil who's latching on to him. I, you know, Neil probably feels it's the other way around. But mm-hmm. when we look at it, it's like, no, this guy's 
this guy's making progress. This guy's kind of doing fine on its own. And Neil, you're the one who's who's kind of slowing him down. But it's, um, you know, there's there's a lot of parts where this is the turn where where but Dell is offering. It's Dell who approaches Neil in the airport in Wichita and says, "Oh, I, I found this hotel." And you know, Dell approaches Neil and and, and invites him along. So Dell doesn't see it as an imposition. This is the first time that it really flips, that it's Neil pursuing Dell. He's not just accepting the mm. offer from Dell. I think it actually mm. helped that they sat separately on the train. Because before, Dell was like the face of all these problems he's having this day. And then when he gets off the train, Dell is way over there in the field dragging his crate. And he's having a hard time, too. So it's maybe not pity. It's more like sympathy or even empathy. Yeah. Okay. Um yeah, so go ahead, though. No, I was going to agree with Robert. That, that was a good <laughs> okay. point. Em- empathy is probably a better word. Yeah, well, and I wonder if it's a little bit just the idea that, uh, you know, a burden shared is a burden halved. That it's, you know what, I'm going to be, I got to walk across this field. I'm stuck in the middle of nowhere, who knows how far from home, whether I'm with this guy or not. Whether I help him with the trunk or not, I'm still stuck. So, you know. It's uh, what's, you know, the, the line, Billy Joel's line, they're sharing a drink called loneliness, yeah. but it's better than drinking alone. <laughs> sure. You know, they're, they're, they're sharing these troubles, so, right. but it's, it's better than having them alone. Yeah, I think, and yeah, that's a, that's a good point about uh, that little bit of separation on the train kind of gives Neil a, mm-hmm. a breather from, from Dell. Yeah, like this guy isn't the cause of my problems, but he was projecting on him. The whole time, because he yeah. just happened to be the one that was there during all the problems. Now, right. a problem happens, he's not there. He's like, okay, we're kind of in this together now. Yeah. Though he could be thinking, well, I, you know, since I wasn't sitting with Dell, I don't know what he was up to. Was he like up chatting with the conductor or did he do something to the train? Is he somehow <laughs> responsible for this? <laughs> he's the one who did it. Um, but, you know, that's, you'd have to be a pretty, uh, a pretty cynical person to, to think that. But uh, I, I kind of wonder, like, is this, uh, you know, any, any of you guys, have you been in a, a train breakdown situation? And do they, like, is this bit, like, do, is this realistic where they're just like, start walking that way? <laughs> Probably not. Yeah. No, in this <laughs> location, it would be because they rented out tracks and what's oh, it? Eagle Creek, I think it is. And the tracks are so far away from the road. I was trying to like look at screen grab, like a uh, street view on Google Earth, and you can't see the tracks because they're too far away from the roads. So you can't locate the actual location of where this breakdown happens. So there'd be some walking. Uh, yeah, I could see that. If in a situation like this, you'd have to walk a bit to catch wherever. If there's a road nearby, yeah. they can't like send a bus to pick you up, or right. it's got to be yeah. This might just be for Sean and Brian, but um, have you guys rode New Jersey Transit? <laughs> That they're, uh-huh. they're yes. notorious for their their, <laughs> their their shitty trains, the the backups, the delays, the traffic, the train traffic. So I've been on the train where it stopped in the middle of the track, uh, you know, before. But I can't ever imagine them offloading passengers in the swamps of the Meadowlands <laughs> to let people walk a mile right. to catch a bus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I never, um, I never took the train for work. 
much though there was there was a short period of time I'm, i i grew up in new jersey i live up um, in the, the suburbs of boston there was a there was a time i was commuting into boston i would take a bus in and then have to take the subway from the bus station to or where the bus dropped me off take a take a short subway hop to work but uh like a long long range commuter rail as a regular thing to work i never did but i did uh well growing up we do new jersey transit into manhattan uh, mm-hmm. Into Penn Station because it's right under Madison Square Garden. We'd go, you know, going to concerts or a uh, sporting event or something at the garden. It was very convenient to take mm-hmm. the train mm-hmm. in. Um, yeah, the periods where you know the, the train would just stop and sometimes the lights would flicker, but never, never a situation where we had to get out. And I was never too worried. I wasn't like trying to get home to see my wife. It was basically, uh, eh, I can miss the opening act as long as I'm there in time for uh, for the main act of the concert. I'll be okay. Right kind of thing. <laughs> But here, as far as Neil picking up the trunk, that that to me is a huge deal. I mean, this trunk has been nothing but trouble for him. Well, yeah. So, so, so going back to you know this this trunk isn't just you know it is just a piece of luggage that they have to, they have to lug around. It's um, well, one you know, going back to the the very beginning, he had um, Neil had a line on a cab. That he had looked like he had a good chance of getting till he trips over the trunk. Right. So that's you know that kind of gets first introduced, and I think it's a it's a continuing symbol of um, kind of just another clue to the nomadic nature of Dell's life. Yeah, don't we see the trunk before we see Dell? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I kind of like just to kind of wonder like who why is he traveling with the trunk? And I kind of thought in my mind that like, well, does he, you know, does he have to carry the inventory with him? Is this a trunk full of shower curtain rings? But uh, apparently, I don't know if we actually, if we ever see the inside. I thought it was too. I thought it was inventory, but maybe not. I read somewhere what was in it, but the movie doesn't show it. I wonder if it's one of the like longer, from the longer cut. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, I think I read it's. A pillow, a picture of his wife, something like that. Yeah. Which that can't be. All you don't need no. that huge trunk just for a pillow and a and a, and a picture we'll in a know. much different film. I just imagined it was his wife in the box, but it's not this movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's the Michael Myers. That is a- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is what happens when you grow up on the yes. Halloween. Films. <laughs> yes. It's like he keeps talking about this wife oh, we yeah, don't so see. That's... Where could she be? Um. <laughs> It's only one clear answer. <laughs> Interesting. So we had talked about was it was it yesterday where we talked about that you know seeing the film from Dell's point of view? Well, from yeah, Dell's perspective. I mean, you know, there's only one scene that they go from Dell's perspective. That's in the next day. This is a, this is all Neil's perspective. Yeah, you don't, they don't even cut to Dell well, when, so, when they're separated. So so I wonder in 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 the alternate film that's this you know the same three days but from Dell's perspective yeah. do we see him like he was opening the trunk good night dear give her a kiss good night and then closing the trunk there you go <laughs> <laughs> oh this just got it did it ever so so one of the things I'm wondering and, and um, we we jump around a bit mm-hmm. listener um, if you don't like it you can yeah I gotta jump back podcast. at some point to the train but we'll get to it <laughs> Oh, if you, do you want to go, jump you back. go back? Well, to my the train. big tangent when I was making notes was on the train because the girl Neil sets next to is reading Us magazine. And I was mm-hmm. just curious what issue it was. 
And that got me with the family ties. Right. It's the March 23rd issue, 1987. It's a cover article. Why we love family ties inside this week's daring one hour episode. So then I got into looking. I mean, I watched family ties back then, but I went and looked. It was the March 12th episode episode. A, my name is Alex, which is this really dramatic thing. The second half of it is with commercial free and mostly monologue Mm -hmm. as Alex talks to a therapist because his friend dies. Skippy. No, no, no. Oh. It's a brand new friend invented for this episode. Out of context, no. it actually works really well for the episode that he has a friend who died, and so he rethinks who he is as a person. In context, it was probably really cheesy because you're inventing a friend out of nowhere. But so yesterday, I watched the entire episode all over again. And so I like, <laughs> got into that for my notes and looking at thing, and I'm like, what am I doing? I'm talking about planes, trains, and automobiles. But it actually works because it's like about this... Like Alex B. Keaton, when he's 21, trying to figure out who he is as a person and how he grew up to be this way. Because, like, his teacher always called on him for answers and put that put pressure on him to know things before the other kids. And so he's become this, you know, the stereotype Alex B. Keaton Republican who loves Reagan and doesn't like his sister because she's a little too flighty. And he's close to Neil in a way in that he'd go into business and not care about other people except for women. And he keeps coming back to jokes about how he needs to be with girls, and that's why he can't be a monk. But it's, it's actually a pretty good episode, out of context, and it won awards. And hmm. I, was, I was kind of impressed. I'll have to check that out, actually. Yeah, you got me intrigued. Yeah, I remember watching it years ago, yeah. It, it does sound something like, I, I was never a big fan of, of Family Ties, but as that sort of a, a, a tie-in to, to this movie. Yeah, because yeah, I, I, the... I actually do have a note on that scene is is we we're starting to see the effect. This and this may be the one of the first times, even before the offer of help and, and you know, helping Dell with the with the trunk is when when Neil kind of turns and you know, there's not a lot of conversation, but I imagine the Neil of two days ago he wouldn't have done that. Would have said nothing. Would have right. not even said hello to a, a traveling companion or you know someone in the next seat over. And now he's like, yeah. Now he's trying to make conversation. Yeah, yeah. He's he's becoming you know his inner Dell is That's starting right. to come oh, yeah. out a little yeah. bit. So yeah, I mean it's it's a it's a small quick little thing, but it it does have significance in that character art of of, of Neil's growth and his. his but even then, it's just coincidence of timing. It's just the issue they had because when they were filming, just like they. Yeah. they Going back to the beginning of this, when we were talking about them talking about the Bears game, coincidentally, the Bears game that happened right before Thanksgiving was really good. They won 30 to 10, <laughs> you know, but that's just chance. Yeah, yeah. That was, uh, yeah. The, the yeah, the Bears were pretty good that year. Um, yeah, it's what, and, and it's something I remark when we, uh, you know, as, as we, we talk about movies and we dissect these movies and we look at them and we find so much of it is... On purpose, you know, so much of it is hard work of, of writers and directors and actors. And so much of it is, um, you know, training and dedication to the art and the craft. And then so much of it is just happenstance yeah. or luck or just you know things. A lot sure. of times, things work out a way that no one could have predicted or no one planned. Um, you know, the, the, it, it rains or snows one day, or uh, you know, something happens. Uh, you know, an actor drops out, another actor comes in, or yeah, you you grab whatever copy of a magazine is nearby and just say, oh, someone right. needs to be reading a magazine, and then it turns out the cover story 
has this interesting reflection of what's going on at that point in the movie. I'm I'm assuming that there's nothing to indicate that this was done. No, on purpose, it was just the issue. John it was Hughes. brand new when they were filming. Yeah, it was just. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's also like connect, connecting it to Groundhog Day thematically. That movie doesn't exist yet, but you and I, that's where we connect it when we see that Woodstock scene. Mm-hmm. And that's just... Yeah, the, the connection that we make that did not exist when uh, when, the, when the film was made, supposedly. But, yeah. <laughs> supposedly? So one of the things I was wondering, so later on... Um, and actually, it's it's um, we're in in podcast days. I think we're going to end up talking about it tomorrow. Mm-hmm. But in in movie days, it's actually later on today um, that uh, that Dell rents a car, and we later find out. Spoiler alert: that he rents the car with Neil's yeah. credit card. But so Neil, but Neil charged the train tickets. He bought the tickets for himself and for Dell. At what point do the cards get switched? Did I? I thought they do have the scene where they switch, yeah. where he picks up the wrong card. Oh, uh, where was that? Well, I, now that was at the hotel last night, where they both hand the they both hand the 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 clerk yeah, their cards, and yeah, it looked like because first Neil hands his card, and then Dell hands his card, but then the hotel clerk hands Dell's card back first. And it looks like I don't know if they we actually see it pick him up, but it looks like Neil's assuming, well, I I gave my card first, so the first card back is going to be mine. But they get switched around. But so, does that mean Neil thinks he's charged? He thinks he's paying for the ticket, but it's really Dale's oh, card at yeah. that point. I think so. Okay, there you go. Explained away. <laughs> All right. Questions answered. Yeah, little train station like that. They're not checking ID. No. Well, yeah, and, and just habit. Like, how often do you look at your own credit card when you're pulling it out? You just, right. you know, oh, it's a diner's club. And we see, like, they're both diner's club yeah. card. The only difference is the name. Yeah. So And their names are similar. Okay. It's not a Chalmers Big and Tall? Dell and Neil. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're small, you know, regional chains. <laughs> um, yeah. And well, I like, I like going just, and again, uh, we're, we're jumping around. Going back to uh, when they're sitting at the train station. They're in they're Jefferson, Jefferson City, yep. Missouri, and we see the arrivals and the departures posted, and there's a train to St. Louis at 3. The train to Chicago is delayed. Mm-hmm. So a nice little detail right, in good the background there. Yeah. And, uh, and and also in that scene, Dell is smoking, as he does, but sharp dresser. He's got the bow tie. Mm-hmm. He's got the, the cardigan, the bow tie. He's professional. You know, he's not overdoing it. It's not like, you know, cufflinks and tie tack or whatever. But, you is, know, he's out there. If he needs to sell, he's... Is he's that where they're sitting next to the old guy with the mice, too? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, with the, <laughs> the mice that, I, I guess, shoot a hole through the box. So they're climbing <laughs> over the old man's... The, I guess it's a guy in prospect. He's like an old-timey... Yeah, it's, he looks he's been sitting there for a like long a, time. A, 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 yeah. <laughs> Is he like waiting for them to, uh, you know, drive the golden spike through the rails, joining the, the transcontinental railroad? When I wonder, so he's got a, like a sh- he's got a, sh- a gray shoe box on his lap with a hole, and we can see there's two mice. And I'm at, um, well, this won't mean anything to the the listeners because you would have had to broken up your movie by day the way something. I did. But uh, I'm looking at yeah, 11:39 into the, into this day, 
And uh, so he's got the, the, the box in his lap, has a little hole, and the two mice on his knee. But then there's another box, mm. a larger box by his feet with a larger <laughs> hole. What was in that? <laughs> yeah, what right. was in that? What's escaped? <laughs> And that's a whole nother. Is that that's a whole nother horror movie spin that's, that's waiting to be made on this bus station. All right. So uh, and then we get our next mode of transportation, which uh, you know doesn't make it into the title because it's not planes, trains, buses, and automobiles. But that's where we are. We're going to be on a bus, right? And uh, one of the one of the things about this scene is, and again, you can you can. Uh, going back to that idea that you could have caricatures if they're just showing up in one scene, if they're just kind of salted through the movie, not your main focus. We, we've got two people <laughs> that are credited as lover and yeah. loverette. <laughs> uh, you know, two, two young folk, or sorry, bus lover and bus loverette. And I like this because in IMDb, uh, for both these actors, this is their right. only credit. <laughs> is this one movie, this wow. one scene... Where they're making out and uh, and and Dell and Neil get a little foyeristic pleasure uh, witnessing this this scene play out, and uh, we get we get a very famous line from another movie, which is, "Why don't you take a picture to last longer?" Yes. Now that's a line I always associate with mm-hmm. Pee Wee Herman from Pee Wee's Big Adventure, uh, directed by Tim Burton. Who, uh, <laughs> Who also directed a couple films we like to call Batman and, and Batman Returns, so uh, it's all connected. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> and again with this scene with, with the song, I mean, you see, Dell just has control of the of the people. He's a man of the people. Mm-hmm. Neil can't even sing a song right. Well, he sings the song okay. He just picks the wrong song. <laughs> right, right, yeah. And I, I think it's I think IMDb they have this listed as a goof or trivia or something. They where someone thinks it's that Neil doesn't know the words. The oh, song. he gets them. Where I think he knows the word. He just stops singing when he notices no one's singing along. Right. And they're all kind of giving him a look because, <laughs> yeah, who, you know, who's singing? <laughs> you know, three coins in the fountain on a... <laughs> right. On but a that's it. Like, Neil, because like, he's, he's, he just doesn't understand. Right. He doesn't understand the people. Yeah. This is this is a TV show theme song crowd. This is, <laughs> right. They're going to know the words to the Flint Some show tunes, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Can I go back to the lovers real quick? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Uh, Neil, Neil does, um, after like the, the brief conversation between him and Dell, he does a double take and they're both smoking. Yeah. Did, did, yes. did they, yeah. in fact, have sex right then and there? <laughs> I think that's the implication, yeah. <laughs> wow. That's, that's brave. It's 80s code. They're smoking. Yeah, they that's had sex. totally 80s. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I think it's. I think it's just a good sight gag. Actually. I always thought, like, just it was just like a hardcore makeout session, but the, the smoking yeah. indicates something different. It was uh, just very hardcore. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I like the detail of the uh, that military guys going home for Thanksgiving as well. Yeah, yeah. We see uh, a couple soldiers. We see a sailor. Um, there's quite a slice of life. There's like a cowboy. There's there's a, there's a, there's a number it's of like characters a kid with a weird on helmet this, on this bus. But uh, oh yeah, yeah. So we don't see. Uh, yeah, we we we, we, we you know, going back to, to Doug's point. We don't see any clothes removed. Um, there's no nudity in the film. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, you can get around that. <laughs> yeah, I mean that was a very quick session then. Although my experience on a bus like yeah. this, no well, one's this, doing this. Everyone's asleep or reading. 
so nobody's paying attention <laughs> so you so you could do it do your little business <laughs> if someone were doing this on the bus i would have been like neil and just staring at them yeah <laughs> yeah so yeah so i was wondering so have you guys had like this kind of situation in real life you've ever been you know kind of traveling around in public and there's two people that are doing private things <laughs> <laughs> or is this only in the movies i was gonna say unfortunately no yeah. But maybe it's also fortunate. Um, no, I, I, yeah, I have not seen it. I mean, you have some PDA okay. out there, but not like this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I, but I, I haven't been looking. Yeah, no. that's true. But uh, I mean, I guess this was kind of obvious. Like they couldn't really, didn't really need to look for it. It was kind of just there. But uh, yeah, no. Man, that would have made this a little more fun of a podcast. But no, we're all a bunch of duds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, yeah, it would have been. Uh, well, much different podcast. We, we talked a little bit yesterday about uh, the Canadian Mountains. <laughs> yeah. I think that's, that's, that's about as, as risque as we get. Although, if you consider... Um, oh, at the end of this day. If you consider uh, a certain four-letter word that begins with letter F, if you consider that risque, mm. then uh, we certainly get to that. I'm just, you know, just uh, jumping ahead a little bit to the to the end of uh, of what we'll consider day two for our purposes. But you've skipped so much. So Neil has <laughs> rented a car. He took the bus out to the rental lot and went to his spot, and there was no car. And um, you know we, we see we, we see a lot of this. It's you make your own luck. You make your own circumstances. Neil could have waited. Uh, for the bus to return out would have been a very long wait, I'm sure. But rather than wait, he trudges through the snow along the highway, across a runway to get back to the rental counter rather than waiting for the bus. And then um, if if we started this day with the most famous scene of the movie with the those aren't pillows, then I think we end with the most infamous <laughs> yes. scene with um this was actually you know talking about risque and nudity and, and implication and whatnot this is actually a, a pretty tame movie which surprisingly if you if you didn't watch this minute you would be surprised that right. it's r-rated but if you watch this one minute where i believe he says um i've read where it's 18 times i think my count was 19 for the number of things we get over the course of a minute and then you throw in the, the great retorn right and you're thing again um, a total of 20 over uh, just about a minute or a little bit over i watched it twice and i counted 18 both times so unless i'm missing one okay because he goes there's there's a a little uh minute there where he it's just rapid fire so maybe i could have missed one one but he's angry I may have imagined oh, yeah. a fucker <laughs> in your life. He doesn't look. I, I don't know Steve Martin's uh, complete uh, filmography, so I don't know how often he swears in his movies. <laughs> but the way he says "fuck" doesn't look as natural. Yes, to me, I don't know. Yeah. See, and I thought with this, I thought he's kind of saying it like that. Like I, I, he's just like done with these people, and he's just kind of over enunciating. Yeah, especially once yeah. she says she doesn't like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. He, he, he although he's already seven, what seven times by the time she says that, so he's already in. She, uh, <laughs> did you hear that she improvised the whole that that phone conversation? <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. That's so, what I read. Yeah, so so for the listeners, the story is 
Yeah, so e, Edie McClurg, yep. is that yeah. the name? Um, which, of course, you know, she's been in other John Hughes movies. You probably know her best uh, as Grace from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. But mm-hmm. so it was her idea to be, well, when he comes up just to make it more annoying or at insult to injury, I'll be on the phone. Uh, you know, I'll be talking when, when Neil walks up or when Steve Martin comes up. And then uh, they did a couple takes where she's just kind of improvising. And then John Hughes gave her the the note, um, you should specifically be talking about Thanksgiving hmm. when he comes in. Yeah. Just to kind of rub it in because he's trying to get home. <laughs> and it was actually – and she says this is, you know, talking about based on real experiences and, and travel stories and whatnot. She says this little bit is, is based on truth that she's not a good cook. And if you listen to what she's saying, you know, she'll bring the crescent rolls. You know, she's not doing the turkey. She's not doing a pie or anything. She's doing like the easiest thing. You know, she talks about the crescent rolls and the uh, the cranberry sauce. It's like, yeah, I'm just going to bring some bread and, and open a can. Yeah. I'm not, you know, and she says like she's she's not a chef. She's not, you know, she's not a good cook and that's what she'll do. But uh, yeah, again, it's just another one of those little parts, but it adds so much. She just in, in I think. Well, the, the, the cursing, like that little monologue, well, the cursing's about a minute. But I think yeah. from, from the time Steve walks up to the counter, it's only like two minutes total. Mm-hmm. But, uh, uh, you know, it's 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 memorable. You re- you remember her. You remember the, the scene. Oh, yeah. For, uh, yeah, I got him coming inside at 19 minutes, 58 seconds. So, yeah, it's about two minutes. <laughs> yeah, just, <laughs> well, and I can, I, can, I can somewhat be sympathetic. And it kind of goes to sort of the, the Kafka-esque. Uh, theme of the movie going back to Neil blowing up at the um, the stewardess when he finds out he didn't have the first class seat that none of the people he's attacking are responsible right. for this like she didn't right. she didn't book him she didn't give him the car that wasn't there she didn't move the car so he couldn't find it but she represents the faceless corpora- corporation right. he doesn't he doesn't know who's responsible he doesn't access who's responsible he just has access to her so what do you you know what do you do yeah you have no other outlet for the frustration or the anger other than the persons in front of you whether they're responsible or not and i've been there it's usually yeah, yeah it's, it's usually over the phone but I, I'm, I end up yelling at the person that really didn't cause my problem and has very little control over it but hey Unfortunately, that that gets results. Like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not that. I'm not a Neil. I'm not someone who's as quick, who seems to be as quick to to kind of blow up. Yeah, I don't think I'd curse somebody out in that sense, mm-hmm. or not curse somebody out, but just curse like that. Yeah. But well, because because also these are the people that can help you. You know, if you okay, you want to get bumped up from right you know, from coach to first class. The, you know, the, you need to motivate that stewardess to help you. Because she's the one who can do it. Like, okay, you need a car where your car wasn't there. This is the woman that can help you. Do you want to be on her good side or her bad side? So I usually try to stay on people's good side and recognize it's right. not their fault. They're just the representative of the moment. But uh, a couple times I've – I haven't used the F word 20 times or 18 times in a minute. But I've gone off on some people and unfortunately it gets results. Like I come out thinking I should have done that. Earlier, I should yeah. have cursed that person out. <laughs> the, the you know, I or I should have you know my first or second call should have been the expletive laden one, not the tenth or eleventh. Yeah, call get to it right because away because it seems like that you know sometimes that gets results. Unfortunately, yeah. 
I don't know about car rentals, but in hotels, it definitely does because they usually have rooms that are on hold for special reasons and they know that. Mm -hmm. So if you start swearing, they'll mm -hmm. give you something good because they don't want you in the lobby swearing. I'll have to keep that in mind. <laughs> That's a good point. That, yeah. yeah. So it, it, and looking at, um, again, going back to the movie, like looking at the script, this is it, it's pretty much what Steve Martin delivers is pretty close to the, mm -hmm. the final script. Um, there's a, yeah, it's, it's just pretty close with, with all the F words in it. <laughs> and this is what I believe got him to sign on to the movie. This in the uh, car. This in the car. Yeah. Hmm. The seat. Yeah. Yeah. These are the you know two standout scenes that I can I can, and, I can believe that. And you know what? Just getting back to this, it, what, what happens at the end of the scene? Dell pulls right up. I mean, he can't even rent a car. And Dell comes in, car rental done. Uh, Dell's resourceful he once has again. He knows how to get things <laughs> yeah. done on the road. He sure yeah. does. He's... He's the guardian angel. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. So, so is Dell, um, you know, is Dell like the Mrs. Lancaster <laughs> of this movie? Not this again. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, so that kind of brings us to the end of, uh, of day two for our podcasting purposes. Um, so any, any other, you know, any thoughts, anything you want to add about, uh, about the movie? This is uh, for, uh, for, for Well, Doug we skip past the montage of him selling. I just want to point out that Neil is a good salesman. He lies a lot, but right. he gets it done. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, uh, he can move a shower curtain ring. Yeah. He got their money. I mean, without him, he, they wouldn't have the money. Yeah. I really appreciate the comedies that, uh, <laughs> that are funny, but they have a level of uh, deepness to it. Oh yeah, and this and mm -hmm. John Hughes really, really um, did that juggling act really well with these mm -hmm. with this brand of movie, and yes. his stuff really stands the test of time. Even though that like the themes of the eighties might not hold up the way that they did back then, but mm -hmm. but all the like the heartwarming parts, the uh, the heartbreaking parts, the comedy parts, it, it's all there. It's all there, and I know the uh, the pool of Thanksgiving movies is not a deep one. <laughs> No, it isn't. Uh, but this, <laughs> yeah, it's not. I, I would. Well, let's just go ahead and say that this is the best Thanksgiving movie they ever made. I think I'd there put it go. second, Don, but it's definitely it. good. Yeah. Oh. oh, second to what? Home for the holidays. Oh, that's a good one. That is a good one. But this, this one, I think, I think be it's because Home for the Holidays that I saw in the theater, and that reminds me specifically of my family, and so it sticks okay. with me more personally. Okay. All right. Well, we, we welcome all opinions here. So, there are uh, there are no wrong opinions, um, but I'll just add this is the, the greatest <laughs> Thanksgiving movie of all time. There's no wrong opinions. Opinions. There's yeah, just yeah. the last opinion. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, and you know, so on, so on that note, I think I'll, I'll you know we'll wrap up for day two. Uh, I'll go to to you, Robert. So if if folks want to hear more about your Dead wives and trunks and, and whatnot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, you know, where can people hear more they from can, Robert Black? Uh, look up Michael Myers Minute on various podcatchers or follow it on Instagram, Michael Myers Minute. Actually, that's the best place to follow it. It's more interesting than Twitter or Facebook. Or Dave Made a Minute, which Sean is a part of, and so is Doug. And where we're looking at Dave Made a Maze. One minute at a time, sometimes at random, which is Dave made a minute on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram and podcasters. So, 
Yeah, yeah, and I'll just point out if uh, if you're intrigued by uh, Dave Made a Minute and you're thinking to yourself, well, but I haven't seen the movie yet. Well, then you're just like the yep. podcasters who are hosting the show because uh, most of them haven't seen the movie either. So, uh, so join on in and uh, and Doug. So, other than joining in on that uh, Dave Made a Maze project, where else can people hear more from Doug? Uh, we are Rocky Minute on all your. Uh, podcasting uh, platforms we're rocky minute on g on um sorry twitter on instagram um facebook our listeners group is called mighty mix come join the fun i mean it's an exciting time with creed 2 coming out so there's a lot to talk about Mm -hmm. in in the rocky universe so um yeah also duelinggenre.com is our host website so um yeah come come join the fun yeah so I, i encourage listeners check uh check all those out And uh, wherever you found this, come on back tomorrow for our third and final day of uh, planes, trains, and automobiles. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.